Hello, everyone. My name is Bebe Lin, Vice President of Membership and host of this brand new Georgia Music Teachers Association podcast. Georgia Music Teachers Association serves music teachers of all instruments across the state of Georgia. We host student auditions, competitions, and a yearly conference. Our local associations provide professional development workshops for teachers and additional opportunities for students throughout the year. More information is available at georgiamta.org. Welcome to our debut episode. Every week, we will highlight and interview one member of the organization. And today for our first episode, our guest is Jan Adams, president of GMTA. Hello, Jan. Hello, Bebe. Nice. Thank you for having me as your guinea pig. <laughs> yes, my pleasure. So let's get started. My first question for you is, tell me about what you do and you, how you got to where you are today. Okay. I have been teaching piano for over 40 years. I have a private studio in my home. Right now, I have around 15 students. I have, a, have had as up to 30. Uh, I also teach at the University of West Georgia. I'm the keyboard skills instructor. I usually do freshman classes. Uh, I'm also the staff accompanist, and I have been doing that for probably 25 years. I've accompanied our community chorus, and I have accompanied for various uh, musicals over my lifespan, and uh, I just enjoy doing all different aspects of the music. Great. Um, can you tell me a little bit about where you started? Did you start in that region? Are you originally from Georgia? Good question. I'm one of those rare ones. I have always lived in Carrollton. My family is here. My husband's family grew up here. Uh, I started basically with my mother was my first piano teacher. And I started when I was about five years old. I would listen to her teach her piano lessons and pay attention. And one day she just heard me in there playing and she knew that I had grasped how to read the notes. So I took from her off and on, you know, as a piano teacher, she didn't always save a spot for me, but uh, she was always there. If I had a question, I could ask. And uh, I started when I was in fifth grade, I started teaching, taking lessons from a lady that taught at school, Annette Griffin. And she taught me all through high school. And then I went to West Georgia here in Carrollton for my college degree, my master's and my bachelor's. And I took from Betty Talbert Smith while I was there. Do you have a favorite memory of your piano teachers that you can share with us? Oh, there are so many. My mother was always there. But one thing I remember about when I was taken from Annette Griffin, uh, every first of the month, I guess it was, when I came into my lesson and I took her to school. She would get me out of class at school. But when I would go in to take lessons, I always looked at the top of her piano. And if she had a stack of music there, that meant we were gonna get something new that month. And that was always so exciting to get a new piece. And uh, she knew I liked sight reading. So she really gave me a lot of pieces uh, all through the years, lots of things, probably way too much more difficult for me, 
but I enjoyed reading them and she introduced me to a lot of repertoire that way. Um, I'd like to ask a follow-up question on that. How do you yes. think that that love or that desire to sight read uh, got developed? Do you think it's just inherent in your personality or character, or is that something that was consciously nurtured by your teachers? I think I just always liked to read, but I remember uh, my mother being a piano teacher, uh, another highlight that was uh, she would order, we lived in a small town, and you didn't have a music store, so she would always order music. And it was like Christmas when she got her order of music for her students. And I would go and I would play through everything. I was kind of like her critique, I guess. I would play through everything that she got and I just loved reading. And I think that developed better than any sight reading book or anything. I just read anything I could get my hands on and I loved it. That sounds so fun. So tell me, what was practicing like for you as a child? Did your mom have to force you to do it or were you self-motivated? Oh, no. I, I had two older brothers and they will tell you that I always got, uh, mom said I always got out of washing dishes because I would say, oh, I need to go practice. So I wouldn't wash dishes. <laughs> and my brothers thought all I did was play on the piano, but you know, when I was younger, there wasn't all these other activities to distract you. And I had a neighbor that we played duets together a lot. And that was really fun to have a friend that also enjoyed music and that you could play together with duets and other ensemble ways. Um, did your siblings, did your brothers play piano also? <laughs> They took maybe for a little while, but they didn't really, no, they didn't play. My younger sister, she sang really well. And so a lot of times I would, we would sing together and I would play for her to sing. So she was much more musical. My brothers didn't enjoy. They always were like, can't you get off that piano now and quit banging on that keys? <laughs> That's funny. Um, so tell me, let's move on to teaching um, and what you do now. Tell me about some of the biggest teaching challenges you have faced and how you've overcome them. Oh, my teaching. I guess, uh, well, one thing about being a piano teacher or a musician, a lot of times in the summer, things just stop. I mean, I go full blast with all my different areas that I'm doing with accompanying and teaching all through from August to, to May. And then from like June to the end of July, it's like nothing happens. I do teach a little bit, but usually my students want to take a break. And uh, but that does give me like right now I'm working on things for next year, music I'm going to get for them. So it gives you a little break from teaching so that you're really ready to start back in the fall and August. And I get to do other things just at a slower pace. So it's really kind of nice. Yeah. Um, earlier at the very beginning, you kind of talked about what you are doing right now, um, private teaching, teaching at the university mm -hmm. and collaborative piano accompanying. Mm -hmm. 
Can you touch a little bit about how you juggle all of those different aspects of your life, especially when it gets really busy during the school year? Ooh, yes, for all of those the, the last two uh, weeks of the semester when I'm accompanying is really a whirlwind. And I know my mother, she when she was alive, she would always worry about me during those last two weeks. Like, what if you get sick? What will happen? And luckily, I rarely ever got sick or anything. But it is a whirlwind during those times and you have to really be organized and uh, plan your practicing ahead of time and uh, work on your schedule. I don't know what I would do without my iPhone calendar to keep me on schedule of when I'm supposed to be at different places. And a lot of times during those hectic weeks with my teaching, I will sometimes have group lessons that week to help uh, free up some of my time so that I can, you know, do the exams and juries with all the students. So it is a juggling act. <laughs> yeah, when you talk about group lessons, are you talking about your private studio group lessons? Yes, with my private studio. Usually we get together about three times a year. Um, May before the recital, we have a group lesson and it's really more like a performance studio class. Sometimes we will do some games and uh, review theory and maybe some music history, but it's really a time for the students to perform for each other and get ready for guild and uh, recitals. Uh, we have one in October. I used to plan one, one in October around Halloween uh, so that I can go to the GMTA conference, which is Thursday, you know, the later part of the week. So I'll have a group lesson that week. So I'm free to go to the conference. And then we always have one at, at Christmas time and I have a big party and snacks for them then and they perform Christmas and other pieces they've worked on. So just so that I'm understanding this correctly because it kind of sounds like um, this is a win-win situation. You host this group class and you're able to tackle um, teaching all of these students at once and at the same time it frees up your schedule because you're right. not teaching individual lessons throughout yes. the week and mm -hmm. you've replaced it with the group class is that accurate mm -hmm. that's right uh -huh. and it gives them a break from being in a private lesson by that time they are ready for a little bit of change and social interaction with other students so it gets to them to see other students play and i don't always put the same level together because I want the younger ones to be inspired by the older students also. So that's a really clever way of tackling a <laughs> difficult you. and busy yes. aspect, um, part of your schedule. How mm -hmm. long have you been doing this and when did you stumble on this Ooh. idea? Oh, I've probably been doing the accompanying work at the college for like 20 plus years. And uh, it was probably around 20 years ago when I decided I can't do all of this and go to the conference or do all these exams. It just, the schedule didn't work out. So I had to just think of that. And the group lesson was the easiest thing to do to eliminate those time uh, things that I had, so. Sure. Um, this is one of my favorite questions to ask, but do you have any books about music Ooh, or teaching yes. that you can recommend? Yes, I just taught a pedagogy class uh, while one of our teachers was on a leave of absence. So uh, it had been years since I had had my pedagogy class. And when I had pedagogy, we had to have um, James Bastian's How to Succeed a Piano Successfully. Uh, 
but a lot of that was a little outdated. So I used two books. I've got them here. I don't know if you can see this one. Yes. It's the Independent Piano Teacher's Studio Handbook by Beth Klickenstein. She's wonderful. And I've seen some of her MTNA conference. Um, and she's a great inspiration to have. Another one was this one I used a lot, Practical Piano Pedagogy by Martha Jordan Baker, Martha Baker Jordan. And to me, they were just very practical things, especially if you are starting up a studio, like college students. It just gave some practical advice on how to um, send out flyers, how to get your studio built up, how to teach the learning styles of your children, of students that you have, and how to deal with parents and just very practical things about piano teaching. So those are two of my favorites. Um, I'd love to hear more about your pedagogy class that you taught. Can you elaborate <laughs> a little more about the content of these classes? Yes, this year uh, I had to teach two semesters and uh, they were, um, the two semesters of pedagogy were one and two, which was talking about um, teaching beginning students and setting up your studio. So I used those two books and I also used um, Scott McBride, the well-tempered clavier teacher. I also used that one, um, but these two I just thought were very practical. We also used uh, the Faber series. We looked at the Faber series and they have a wonderful uh, handbook that goes along. It has videos of them teaching and instructing students on how to teach their series. So we used that. We just did a lot of discussion, and I think they really enjoyed having a teacher that taught every day. One of the favorite things that they did is uh, I video recorded six lessons of one of my own students, and I think they enjoyed that the most, seeing me interact with a normal average he was about eight years old and a normal average person and the things that come up, the questions they would ask. And I think they enjoyed that probably the most of anything. Thanks so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your life outside of music? Do you have passions and hobbies <laughs> aside from music and teaching? Yeah, like in the summer, I like because I am I just kind of put the music aside. I love to read, so I just read uh, Christian fiction books or just anything to take me a away. You know, <laughs> uh, I read a lot. I've also been a camp counselor. I've taught Bible classes. So in the summer, ever since my kids were like eight, and they're now like thirty-seven and thirty-two, we went to to Bible camp, and I taught Bible classes for young girls. So I've done that. I'm very involved in church work at the church that I go to. My husband is an elder, so there's always ways to serve and help other people. So I'm very involved in doing that, but I like to just read. And also I have two grandsons, so they are taking up a special place in my heart that I do. I get to go visit them a little bit more often in the summer. Because they live two hours away. They live in Montgomery, so I get to see them. This might be a bit of a personal question, but are there any plans for your grandsons to take piano lessons? Yes, I, uh, I was watching, uh, he's five, 
and he's got him a keyboard and I have given him some books along the way. But I was watching one of our MTNA conference uh, uh, presentations, you know, you can still watch those until December. And I was watching one, of, you know, and it was telling all about the Zoom, how we've had to Zoom lessons. And one of the teachers was teaching her grandson. And I thought, well, I can do that. He doesn't have a teacher. I'm two hours away, but I could Zoom him and have lessons. So we're going to maybe start that in the fall when he's six, see how he does. Awesome. Always excited to get another pianist in the world. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so if you had a chance to redo your life and career choices, what would you change or not change about them? Oh, that was a hard one because I, I really, I think I've got the best of both worlds because I tell someone that I am never bored. I love going to work. And even though I do sight reading and I'm accompanying, that's a different thing that I enjoy. And then I come home and I teach students and of all ages, and I enjoy doing that. So I just think it has really worked out for me that I could do something and I could teach piano at home. While, when my kids were little, I could do that from my home. I had my own business. So I really just don't think I would change anything, I think. You know, I've enjoyed being in the small town. I guess maybe I've enjoyed that. So I'm sorry, I don't know of anything that I would change. I really haven't thought it turned out for the best. Did you always um, want to be a musician, a piano teacher, or did you have other ambitions when you were younger? Um, I think I always wanted to be a teacher. I've loved teaching. I thought I might be a school teacher, you know, a public school teacher. But uh, I always loved to play school and pretend I was the teacher. And my sister, she would be the principal and paddle all the kids, you know. <laughs> uh, but I always loved to be a teacher. So I've always thought that would be what I would like to do. But uh, I did observe uh, when I was in college, I observed high school and I decided, no, I don't want to go into public education and teach music. So that's when I boned my skills up with accompanying and other things that I could do and teaching, so. Let's talk a little bit about your accompanying and um, developing those skills. What did you have to do to develop them? Um, because as a young pianist taking lessons, we spend a lot of time playing solo piano and mm -hmm. not collaborative works. Were you exposed to collaborative things when you were younger? I think I was when, uh, you know, like I told you earlier, my sister sang and we would sing together. My neighbor down the road, we would duets together and did some ensemble work. I know when I was probably in about seventh grade, uh, my fifth grade teacher, when I started taking piano lessons, my fifth grade teacher was very musical. And when I was in seventh grade, she got me to play the chorus for, when I, I remember we did Oklahoma, I think, uh, for our seventh grade graduation, and she got me to uh, accompany the little chorus. So I had been accompanying choruses. I did all through high school, accompanying choruses. So I think that just got me started with the accompanying, and I just love being with, I, I think I like that because when you're doing piano solo, you're by yourself all the time, and this gave me a chance to accompany. I accompanied the trio and the quartet at literary meets when I was in high school. So that got you some social interaction with people, which I think solo piano needs. 
<laughs> we need that interaction. It sounds like living in a small town worked out really well for you in terms of yes. developing your collaborative piano skills, because it sounds like you were the go-to pianist for the whole town. <laughs> well, maybe not the whole town, but I have done a lot with musicals and different things when I was younger, played for the musicals. That keeps me up too late now, so I don't do that. Uh, but being in a small town, you, we do need some more teachers I hear, and it seems like when the college kids, uh, they want to go into Atlanta so they can get them a bigger studio. So we, it's really hard to find a teacher. You know, I'm getting close to retiring and I really would like to have somebody that I could feel like trustworthy to take on students around here that I could recommend. And they all want to go to Atlanta. So to make big money, I guess. <laughs> so that's the bad thing about living in a small town. Yeah. Here's my last question for you. Okay. Do you have any advice for young musical professionals and teachers as they embark on their careers and enter into professional life? What can they do to prepare themselves and be successful? Uh, there's two things. One is just any opportunity you have, get out of your comfort zone, try other things. Just don't limit yourself to being a solo pianist because most of my opportunities of making money have been with my accompanying. So don't think that's like a second class citizen because you are not, you are a collaborative pianist for sure. Uh, the other is to find a mentor. Like I had my mother and then other teachers with GMTA. I have had people that have helped me, you know, do things that I wouldn't have thought I could. So having that mentor to encourage you is extremely important, especially if you're starting out. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't have had my mother to run and ask questions. How do you deal with this problem in piano? And she would always be able to help me. So a mentor is very important. Can I ask a follow-up? I know I just said sure. that was the last <laughs> question, but I think maybe one of the challenges for young people is finding that mentor and finding mm -hmm. a good mentor. Do you have any recommendations for that as to where they can go and um, what qualities to look for to identify who would be a good mentor? Well, GMTA offers, you know, I, I would say get involved in your GMTA because you have lots of mentors there that will encourage you, teachers like that. If there's nobody in your, uh, if you're, previous teacher that you had, that was a great one to have to mentor. But a mentor has to really be interested in helping you along and taking time. You know, it may not, you know, it's again, it's a service opportunity. Uh, a mentor has to be able to be interested in that person to encourage them, but also to tell them like it is, you know, that you, know, you may not make, be rich, but you will be a happy person if you enjoy doing different things and you enjoy your music. There's some things more important than money, I guess, and that's happiness. So does that help? Yes, great. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Jan. Thank you for being our very first interview and thank you for being our fearless leader of GMTA. <laughs> ah, thank you for taking this on, baby. Wonderful job. Thank you. Well, I wish you happy teaching and happy students. Thank you.